So I was going to come today to our patronal feast and remind you all that Luke is a bull, is an ox. I'm sure it's in the iconography somewhere here. Someone will know where it, Bobby Mays will know where it is. Um, the gospel, gospelers are all symbolized by different animals, and Luke is a bull. That makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? It suits us, I think. An ox, it has little bitty wings. There's some wings that look like it could not carry a bull or ox, because what could? Um, but a bull, for all the best and worst qualities of a bull. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, of jubilee. Isn't that worth a bull or an ox out in the world to proclaim on your behalf? We know what happens to Jesus after this. In the reading we have, it just says everyone's looking at him. But it doesn't go well after that. If you've got a Bible in front of you, they try to drive him off a cliff in the next verses. And this is in his hometown, where people would have seen him for the first time in a while. He went off, remember, to be baptized, and then he's out in the wilderness for a while, and he is tempted by Satan. He declines those temptations, but the temptations are interesting. All you would need to make all the good that is listed in these readings happen. That's what he's tempted by. Would you like all the power in this world to make things right? I would. And I don't know that it's Satan whispering in my ear when I think that or when you think that. But that's what happens. This is actually the story we have in front of us. I don't like it very much, I'll tell you. He's out in the wilderness and tempted with everything he would need to make this happen, pretty much. And he says no. And it says that he's been out there for 40 days. And then he goes around Galilee, and he is successful. People like him. He preaches well. People are proud of him. Word must have gotten back to his little town. And it doesn't say that people are jealous or petty or small. It says he goes and reads the words of Isaiah. And all we have of Jesus so far in Luke is Jesus quoting or reading texts. So he reads and they're done with him. They want nothing more to do with him. So I was going to just talk to you about bulls and oxes today and what it might look like if a church like St. Luke's, with all the heft of that name and the heft of this organization, all of us in this massive building and all the resources that we can command, decided to take that and carry that out into the world and to turn that in on ourselves as well. To be that forceful with this good news, this old, old good news. So I was just gonna to talk to you about bulls and then I got to hear Barbara Brown Taylor on Friday. She was in this pulpit about a year ago. We were so lucky to have her here for my installation. And she got up here and reminded us of our story as this St. Luke's, the reason we're called St. Luke's. Dr. Quintard, who founded this congregation during the final year of the Civil War, was a doctor. That's why we got to hear about doctors and pharmacists in the readings earlier. He was a physician. And the story she told is one that's recorded in that book about St. Luke's, that he is invited to pray for, for a soldier who is injured and will die of his injury. And he goes to pray, 
and recognizes that he can actually basically do a medical procedure. There's a bullet that can be removed. So he does that. What, what a founding story for a church like this. In the final year of a war that all of us would say we all still live in the legacy of here in this part of the country and in this country, we still wrestle with its legacy and who we are to be and how we get there and all the powers of sin and evil and goodness that we would need to make that right, right? That is a wrestling for us. But a doctor who is a priest healing a body, isn't that so particular in us as well? So many of you, a need seen, a need addressed, deep wells of compassion that seem to never end for the need right in front of you, even if you cannot address it all. Isn't that us? Isn't that also the DNA of this place? Like if a bull had very delicate, tender little hands, like those little wings, isn't that us? So what Barbara said on Friday, which I have to share with you, and I apologize now for all the images that don't work together, is she was telling people about how they read the Bible. And she said most of us read the Bible like they're carrying a quilt along with them. Isn't that interesting? A quilt of how people told you to read the Bible when you were little, how it was used in your life, even though you're smarter than that maybe, or have thought that through or changed your mind, of the stories you remember and recall and the ones that got embedded because you had a really good Sunday school teacher or your children's Bible had a good, good illustration or you wondered about it or that priest that sat with you and talked about it, you remember those stories, the ones that really clicked and resonated, all of that. And the way the people you love or the people in authority when you were younger thought it was to be used, what it was for, that you still carry those patches of your quilt with you, she says. You can't actually just put that down. You're still carrying it. And all that has come to you over the years of what you know about yourself and the people you love, what science says, what the doctors say, what the pharmacist can do, right? All of that patchworks on your quilt and you're still carrying that around. She was talking about how you read the Bible. I wonder in who we are in this place, all the patches that have been added over the years of us, when something has been torn off and repaired and fixed, and when more and more has been added. The people that talk about both our psychology and also how institutions work would say, you actually never take anything off. And if you do, you leave a big scar, right? That we are always that thing we were at the beginning at some basic place. The good news of that is whoever you are, whoever you were, whoever you're created to be, whatever has happened to that, who you are is still in there, still seeks to emerge, can still emerge in your life. But Barbara tells us we're carrying a quilt around as well, and she's always right, so I'm going to pay attention to that. <laughs> My guess is our bull has a quilt on, on him or her as well, him, on him the bull as well, that we carry a lot, you and I. We carry the history of this place. This place carries that history. We cannot pretend it away or ignore it away. It becomes part of the task, right? The wrestling with it is part of our wrestling. Our doing good into the future is predicated on who we have been in the past. We must engage. We are most ourselves when we engage. The difficulty is, of course, in any time, in every time, we want to be cheerful and forward-looking. I want to be. We should be. Life is hard enough. 
You're going to walk out there and Peachtree is difficult enough. God only knows what's going on with the traffic today. I don't understand it, right? There's enough out there. But our tradition tells us there's also an in here that we can do and that we must do. So how we read these texts, how we engage this tradition, how we think about who we are to be in the future. So some really concrete pieces, some good news pieces of that are, it's easy, right? There's Isaiah saying what is said in Deuteronomy, right? It's easy. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. And what does that look like for us? Because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. We don't even flinch when we hear those words because we know those are the words of the tradition. But what does that call us to in this time is our question. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives. Isn't it interesting of all the categories of harm that you could name? This is the one, release to the captives, the prisoner, and recovery of sight to the blind, the impossible, to let the oppressed go free is the language of our Bible. Maybe quilted over so many times that that sounds political or difficult, but it's our text. This is the Bible. Who is oppressed among us? What does their freedom look like for us? To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, Jubilee. The freedom from all debt is what that means. They lived in a real world like us, apparently with doctors and pharmacists. I hear there are lawyers as well, some biblical scholars, some wise men and women who wrestled with these texts and the real lives they were living to discern how God was alive in their time. So Barbara tells us we carry these quilts around like baggage that, but you know as well, a quilt will keep you warm and they're beautiful. We are in a quilt making part of this country. If you're not from this country, ask a neighbor, someone can tell you what quilts mean to us here. It's a huge part of our heritage of the scraps and remainders of things that were meant for something else, put together in beautiful, intricate patterns by women, often women in marginalized or poor communities, rural women, a great craft and art of our country quilt, she says. We read our Bible as though we are carrying a quilt. We are the church. We are a church. We are a bull with a big old quilt on our backs of all the history of where we've come from. And so much of it is just shockingly beautiful. Beauty made of rubble and rubbish and conflict. And some of it really, really hurts. They were wrong looking back, so wrong but we can see it and we can even tell the story beautifully. We can do it, we do do it. Because here Jesus stands up again, having faced down Satan, Satan's self, right? Satan, right there, with every temptation to go into this world with just what he had, just the powers of this world, do the best he could with it. And he says no. And it's a great mysterious no. It's like putting down the quilt and all its resources and saying somehow we will be of something so much greater than that. The shock of it is that that greater, and we know this, you all know this better than me, is always so small, right? It is about the freedom of your heart to thrive, who you were called to in Christ Jesus, who God has made you to be, where you stand free from sins that you do and that have been done to you. God says, that's possible, that your captive heart can be free, 
that where you thought things must be the way they are and I must align myself so I can survive because I cannot bear it, I cannot bear to see it or to be it, God says even there you will be free. So we come back every year and we try again because how you do that, I don't know. But Barbara tells us that we're carrying a quilt and she's always right. So think about the quilt you're carrying. Are you dragging a thing on the ground that is frayed and heavy? It might need to let go of a few squares. Or is it just perfect and wrapping you up tight? Are you good? Do you have some good news to share about that quilt and what you know? Or is there something else? Is it all of us here together? In all of our struggles, and there will be so many, in all of our joys, in the beauty that we make together, in the power that we make together. Because don't forget, Luke was an ox, a bull, and we are the Church of St. Luke, and there's nothing we can do about that. Thanks be to God. <laughs>